the world reads from Sharjah, live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha. Good morning. We are live from Sharjah Expo Center. This is Aisha Al-Mazmi. Here with me, we have Ahmed Dawood and Ali Al-Hazami. We are going to be your guides for the next couple of days as we take you through the 39th edition of the Sharjah International Book Fair. That's right. Uh, it's day two of this uh, incredible event, an unprecedented event at that. Uh, the uh, 30th. Uh, eighth uh, Sharjah International Book Fair and it's uh, a virtual and a physical event as well and it's taking place until the 14th as well so uh, we've got a lot to look forward to at least a thousand publishers from 73 countries are participating 80,000 titles in the halls here at Expo Center Sharjah and we also look forward to discussing uh, the sessions what's on the agenda and various uh, happenings and events from around the event today we have a Fun-filled hour. Trust me, guys, when I say this. We're going to be talking about some of His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al-Qasimi's publications because he's got a lot. I mean, he is the ruler of Sharjah and a big advocate for literacy, reading, and books. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. We do also have a small... We went through the halls yesterday and spoke to some of the visitors and the guests of the Sharjah International Book Fair, and we asked them, the question that has been plaguing everybody's minds for the longest time ever and it is physical books versus ebooks we want to know what do you guys prefer and i think some of us are divided against that as well apparently some people prefer physical books and some of us prefer ebooks we also have iman bin sheba the founder of sale publishing she's going to be joining us later on in the hour so guys when i tell you that this is your guide for the Shard International Book Fair. This is the truth. So stay tuned to all of that and much more right here on Pulse 95. Pulse. This is Pulse 95. His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al Qasimi as an author. His Highness Sheikh Sultan bin Mohammed Al Qasimi. He is a ruler of Sharjah and he is a massive advocate of writing, of reading, of books. Hence why we have the 39th edition of the Sharjah International Book Fair, a well known event across the Middle East and probably and most likely the entire world. I mean, last year, Sharjah was the book capital of the world and had a lot of appearances across lots of cities. Today we're going to be highlighting one of the many books His Highness has written. This one was released in 2018. It is called Bibi Fatima and the King's Sons. Let me just read the foreword to give you just a little bit of a synopsis of what the story is about. It says, this is the story of an ambitious woman who clings to the faltering rule of the kings of Hormuz under the Portuguese occupation. The novel offers a detailed description of social life in Hormuz while touching upon the military, political and economic situation prevailing at the time. Yes, first published in 2018, the book is now translated into several languages such as English, German, and French. Interestingly, the book is um, historical fiction, but it is very realistic in a sense that whatever happened in the book could have happened in real life. It discussed um, the how much someone would cling to the rule and what are the economic and political factors uh, that would take place. And uh, interestingly, it discusses the Portuguese occupation uh, mm -hmm. as that is the time frame that the book took place in. 
Yeah, and uh, the amount of research put into developing this is uh, quite extensive, in fact. Uh, this is uh, pretty accurate historically, many aspects of the book, that is. And what I'm drawn to as well about this book is the style of it. It's written in this uh, rather simple style, and uh, there's a great attention to detail. So everything is listed from the various currencies used in the territories in the Kingdom of Hormuz, uh, the various foods they ate, the exact number of married people in any given situation. And there's something really interesting about those details, the way they're laid out one by one, it feels real and it puts you there and it keeps the text moving and it gives it this momentum. So I found that really fascinating as well. It, the style of it is very unique. Yeah, and what I enjoyed about it is that it kind of felt like a play. So yeah. while I was reading it, I felt like I was part of the narrative and I was watching them right in front of me. So it would be very uh, easy to develop it into a real play. Absolutely. I think that the reason why it's simplistic is very, very necessary because when you talk about history, there's always like a whole lineage to follow. There's a lot of things and details that you need to follow along. And you as a reader, you might get overwhelmed by it, especially since this uh, transpires over two centuries. So it transpires over the 16th and the 17th century. So at some point, you just need a moment to follow all the kings and the queens and the princes. And since it's also about the Portuguese occupation, it means that there are other people also involved. So there are so many names to follow, so many groups of people, because during that era and during that time, there were so many different ethnicities and so many religious groups that were basically thriving in that area. So for you to follow this, I feel like it was very necessary that the text should be simple and not too overwhelming. Yeah, and I think it enhances the text as well. I mean, when you're when you're rendering something like this, uh, a historical uh, period, uh, an old a place that a lot of people today are not familiar with, and you want to relay that to a reader and have them feel a, an emotional impact, you've got to put them there somehow. And the way it sticks to the surface and draws out these details that a lot of people wouldn't think to mention it puts you there and you feel like you're part of it. And the simple language as well is what gets you feeling like this isn't even a historical novel. I'm right there and I'm living this and it's pretty compelling stuff. So I think it brings you closer to the text. It brings you closer to what the characters are going through and it really enhances uh, the human aspect to the text and makes it more emotionally engaging. Definitely. and. Um it's very accessible. You don't really need to have that much of a background in order to understand what's happening. Absolutely. The uh, Portuguese impact on the region has been great and immense, but it's not discussed as often. Mm -hmm. But His Highness does a great job in so many of his books talking about that part of history and how it impacted our ancestors and the region accordingly. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a part of our history. Whether it is uh, the entire uh, Gulf region or the UAE itself, we often hear about the British Empire and their British uh, occupancy in the UAE or the Trucial States back then, but we rarely hear about the Portuguese. I mean, I personally, when you think about it, if I think about the, the last time I heard of it, it was probably in my history class back when I was in eighth grade, and I feel like there's a massive gap in the information or just in our, uh, when it comes to just facts when, what, about what people know across the entire Definitely, UAE. He's yeah. like, do you know anything about the uh, Portuguese occupation? Like, not really, uh, yeah. to be honest. So you have to dig into the National Archives exactly. in order to really know what happened. Exactly. So I really like the fact that His Highness often talks about uh, various occupations the Trucial States went through, whether it is in the Gulf region or a bit across the sea or basically in the entire region. So it is very vital that we have this sort of information. And I, again, I really enjoy the fact that it's very simplistic easy to follow and like you said does not require any sort of background.
Indeed, and uh, for those just tuning in, we're discussing uh, Bibi Fatima and the King's Son, a historical novel written by His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al Qasmi, Supreme Council Member and Ruler of Sharjah. One of many texts uh, that His Highness has written. He's got a very keen uh, interest in history, and uh, this novel really unravels uh, that particular time period and does it in a way that is simple and engaging to people, and uh, like you said, uh, Alia, very accessible. Well, there we go. Here is one of the many books you can find right here in the Sharjah International Book Fair. This is written by His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al Qasimi back in 2018. And like we said, it is available in the book fair. I believe it is available in Hall 7. Yes. And I think it was also Hall 5. So guys, if you want to buy any of His Highness's books, this is where you should be going to. Coming up next, we spoke to some of the guests and visitors at the Charge International Book Fair, and we asked them a very important question. Do you prefer ebooks or do you prefer physical books? And I think it's going to be a fun debate right here as we chat about it between myself, Aisha Al-Mazmi, Ahmed Dawood, and Ali Al-Hizami. Walls 95. The world reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha. And we are back. I'm Alia Lahzami along with Asha Mazmi and Ahmed Dawood. Today we will be discussing a pressing question in the reading world. Do you prefer physical books or ebooks? Let's see what the Sharjah International Book Fair guests had to say about that. Nothing can beat the actual feel and the smell and the touch of a book itself and also if you're a person who studies then you can uh, a book is much easier to go backwards and forwards in and to make uh, and to make notations in them in the margin and actually just has generally a more scholarly feel to it and of course libraries are a wonderful place I mean libraries I mean I, I could write a book about wonderful libraries that I've sat in the atmosphere the the inheritance that you get the the atmosphere of a library and a physical book cannot be beaten so I like normal books because they have a different vibe to it and the feel, the touch, the smell, all of it just makes me feel like I'm in a different place altogether and just makes me happier and I feel more at peace. Physical books, I think most of the readers will agree with the experience of the book, touching the book, the smell of the pages. I think it gives a unique experience for every reader. Definitely ebooks for me. I've been an ebook reader for the past maybe five or six years and it has transformed my reading habits completely. So before using my Kindle, I used to read about 10 books or 12 books a year. With the Kindle, because of the ease of the device, because of how you've got access to all the books that you might not find here or take a bit of time until they get delivered and so on, you've got instantly the access to everything and it just transforms you. So now I'm reading about from 10, now I'm reading about 40 books minimum. And it's just because it gives you access to not only all books as well, all genres that you don't necessarily have here and those uh, so on. Uh, the lighting of the device is so easy on the eye. So it's not like the, the iPad and the iPhone. And yeah, I love it. Absolutely. I I agree, fully agree that I'm with ebooks. They're just super convenient. I can have them anywhere in any device. I can because I have uh, mostly Apple products. 
I can simply put them in my iCloud or in my books application and then just access it no matter where I am. Actually, there is a book that I've been slowly reading, very slowly reading for quite a while, for I think maybe two years, going back oh, wow. and forth to it. Here, okay, I have, first of all, confession, guys. I used to be like an avid reader, like book after book, book after book. And then when I got to university, somewhere halfway through, I just got, I don't know what happened to me. Just like I went from this many books to like barely getting through one book a year. <laughs> happens to the best of us. <laughs> so this, this book was like one of the few series that completely grabbed my attention. But it is a massive book. Like I was reading it on my phone. So it was around nearly 2,000 pages per book. So when I got to the second one, I had to take a bit of a break because it had a lot of action going. So it was a bit overwhelming. And then when I did get the energy to go back to it and read it, it was, I would have changed like around maybe two or three devices, including my laptop and my phone. And I was like, oh my God, I don't really remember the exact page. I remember kind of where I was, but the moment I opened my books out, and because I have iCloud and everything is saved across all my devices, it gave me the exact page that I left off a year ago yeah i agree they're more accessible but in regards to preference i'm definitely team physical books it's just it just feels different the smell the feel the sensation that it gives you uh, some might say it's criminal but i like breaking the back of my book highlighting uh -oh. taking notes underlining i pretty much like having a conversation with my book and i feel like as much as i would want to get into ebooks it, it just doesn't feel different i can't talk to my ebook the way i talk to my physical book <laughs> I would say uh, for me, I mean, it, it, it comes down to what am I getting out of a book? Uh, it, the, the experience of holding it as opposed to reading it on my phone doesn't affect me too much. At the end of the day, I'm processing text and the more convenient way to do it for me is to do it on my smartphone because I'm always on the go. To buy books and fill space in your home is something I tend to avoid, not just with books, but other aspects. <laughs> so uh, for me, I tend to stay away from it and I think the book reading apps, they've come up with some really good ones um, with many functions, note taking, annotations, bookmarks. You could do a lot uh, and you could own a vast library of books just within your smartphone. So I think I like the way things are heading. And for me, I like ebooks. I think it should be a combination of both because at some point you need to stop staring at the screen. Your oh, yeah. eyes need to rest, your brain needs to rest. So it's good to have a physical book on the side, but you can do both. That is actually a very good point because I feel like even though I do prefer ebooks, I'm 90% preference ebooks, I do still feel just somewhat just nostalgic to the feel of a book. And I do have um, like a big shelf, but fortunately I had to give away a lot of books. I'm like, okay, need to like just, just give them away. It's okay. Yeah. You don't need to just keep on stacking and stacking and stacking because I agree with Ahmed also that sometimes although libraries and just seeing shelves and shelves are very aesthetically you know pleasing to the eyes but if you just keep on hoarding which i am a massive book hoarder <laughs> as i know pretty sure you guys are as absolutely. well absolutely yeah sometimes it gets a little bit too much and you're like okay i need a just some space some empty space yeah. here so going with a you know an online library yeah. is a bit also yeah. another way of having like you know aesthetically pleasing on your phone i i think it would be the best day in my mom's life if i switched into <laughs> ebooks because she keeps throwing my books away thinking i would uh -oh. not notice and it's just don't throw my babies away. No, yeah. Alia's mom, if you're listening, please do not throw away Alia's books. You should 
I mean, they're your babies, and if you feel like, okay, I can let my baby be passed on to somebody else for to share this yeah. with them, that, that should be your choice. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, for for ebooks as well, if eye strain is a concern, there are uh, ebook readers uh, that uh, pretty much have dim lighting and, and, Ooh, and yeah, such. Yeah, true. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I think the way we're heading, I've been seeing a lot of uh, independent authors who pretty much make their name online look into alternate routes uh, to putting their name out there and putting their art out there as well, and uh, they do it via the ebook. Uh, it's an accessible format uh, and uh, one we've been seeing a lot in many ways and uh, they're pretty interesting things you could do with it I've seen for instance uh, experimental writers use hypertext within their ebook so you click around and it takes mm. you to different places so I mean there's a potential there uh, in terms of playing with with things a lot so I think that's another as interesting aspect to it is you could play with things in a very interesting way and uh, that might be one appealing aspect but for mo for the most part 99% of books it's not going to be the case <laughs> it's going to be a regular experience actually what you mentioned earlier about the um, ebook readers uh, one of them being the Kindle everybody knows what a Kindle yeah. is and the Kindle itself I always thought that it's going to be very similar to a phone screen when it's actually very very different it lo literally looked like a book it does it, it felt so weird I was like am I really holding a device so technology has gone really far. So yeah. for those people who want it to look like, you know, something that is not as stark as a phone screen, I think like one of those ebook readers would be a great idea. But I think you're right in the sense, how do I smell a book? I can't <laughs> smell a Kindle. Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't fight development. We shouldn't. Mm -hmm. I prefer the traditional method, obviously, but that doesn't mean that I would fight technological advancements because because at the end of the day, they're here for a reason and we need them. So. It's, don't find them. Find embrace them. Embrace them. them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Embrace technology when it is beneficial and convenient. Yes. Coming up next, we have a lovely interview with Iman Bin Sheba, the founder of Sale Publishing. So stay tuned for that and much more right here as we take you across Sharjah International Book Fair. You're listening to Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Sharjah International Book Fair Agenda. Hi everybody, good morning. Welcome back to the program. Uh, our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair with me, Ahmed Daoud, Ali Al-Hazami, and Aisha Al-Mazmi. And uh, we've got a pretty packed show today. In fact, joining us is uh, the CEO, the founder of Sale Publishing, Iman Bin Sheba. Good morning, welcome to the program. Thank you for coming in. Uh, so uh, you're the founder of Sale Publishing. It's a publishing house. You've got magazines, uh, books, novels, poetry, eBooks, an online magazine. You've got a lot going on. And it's been a pretty challenging time for publishers uh, in the region and around the world as well. So why don't we start the conversation by talking about this year, how it's been for you as an independently owned publishing house and where that's heading. As it's been really, really interesting. It's been a complete different shift. Uh, we've been pushed uh, in different ways that kind of helped us push the business in directions that we were a little bit taking our slow and, you know, our sweet time in. Um, so obviously when the pandemic started, uh, you're talking about all the book fairs being cancelled around the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and for majority of the local publishers or the regional publishers in, in the Arab world, majority of our sales are done in book fairs. So when you're cancelling that, you're cancelling 80% like of my revenue. Um, and we've got always problems with book distribution, with bookshops and so on. So always the question is like, so what are we going to do now? How are we going to sell books? So we've always had the idea, we want to do an online store for our books, but we always kept on saying, it's like, oh, it's okay, it's fine. We don't need to do that. But this pandemic actually pushed us to do that. And it helped us go online, start to interact more with our readers, um, 
uh, sell our books online. Uh, they get the books within a couple of days, maximum sometimes within one day. Um, and it has been very interesting to see that kind of interaction, especially with the new books, to see directly who wants to buy it on spot and the kind of happiness that the authors get when seeing the book. So I feel like it kind of pushed us to go in directions that were actually meant to be eventually. Um, and, and I think that's where the beauty of it. Yeah, and because of the pandemic, so many have shifted into reading and publishing online. And since you've been doing this for a really long time, you kind of had the lead in that situation. <laughs> so what advice do you give publishers and readers alike to navigate through this transition? So the digital publishing has been very interesting. And I think problematically in the Middle East, because the international, publish, uh, international reading platforms have been holding back the Arab reader in general for the past few years because um, for instance you've got Amazon, you've got uh, Apple Books, Kobo and so on have been not allowing people who have a Middle East address to have access to the worldwide digital books. Um, but only in the past year or two did Amazon finally open up when it comes to the Middle East reader and actually allow them to have access and start to give publishers from the Middle East access to publish their digital books there. And I think it has been very interesting because you're talking about big publishers from Saudi Arabia and so on releasing first the digital a copy of the book before the print which has never happened before and like mm -hmm. the thing is they've been forced to do that because what are you gonna do you can't do a print and we were talking about the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was so afraid of holding the print because oh my god print is gonna give me the virus <laughs> yes. um, so it has been very interesting to see that shift and people are like okay I would rather hold a device and read the book because I actually want to read the book anyway um, and I think that kind of shift has been interesting some people have been holding back when it comes to publishing they're like no it's just a trend and it will pass I'm not gonna invest my money into it and I'm like I don't think that's gonna pass I think it's a growing thing I don't I do not think it will replace I am not one of those who's who's, who's saying that but I do believe that this is a market and this is a market and those are two audiences that you want to leverage on and shouldn't lose on one or the other absolutely because just like you said there's two audiences there's two different groups some of them might move towards ebooks some of them might never ever just like no we're too much we love this we're not gonna move towards it so it is very important to capitalize on both groups and also talk about convenience I mean I spoke to you yesterday right? and you were part of <laughs> <laughs> our walk spa from earlier yeah. and you are a massive ad book advocate for ebooks and I was joining you and I was telling you that's absolutely correct there's just some sort of just an ease of going from one um, one, one edition to another absolutely. from one part to another True. and also you're also helping the lazy people like myself <laughs> <laughs> well I'm included yeah. in that category so don't worry about it <laughs> I love going out and shopping don't yeah. get me wrong shopping yeah. is a lot of fun whether shopping for clothes shopping for books when I walk around the book fair it's a lot of fun just you know watching everybody browse through books but sometimes I'm sitting at home and I'm like I want to buy something exactly. anything I was like oh I remember all those lists of books I want to go through so then it's so convenient to have an online store go through it and just buy whatever I want absolutely and we were also having this conversation yesterday with his uh, excellency Ahmed uh, Barakat the chairman of the Sharjah Book Authority and the concept of the sensation that you feel once you read and touch and smell a book so when it comes to online reading how do you connect to that right. book <laughs> so here's the thing i've got Tell a theory me. about that and you know that Ali. <laughs> of course we always have this discussion right. so yes i truly believe the smell of the book is so important and it gives you that kind of sensation and takes you on the track on the journey with the book but at the end of the day i want to read the words mm -hmm. yeah. in whatever mm -hmm. format they come if it's going to be on Kindle, if it's going to be on an iPhone, if it's going to be on a book, if it's going to be on a laptop, whatever it is, I just want to read. So if someone enjoys this and not the other, by all means, I want them to enjoy the, the, the reading. At the end of the day, you cannot tell me that 
No, because you've read it on a Kindle. It's not considered reading. I was like, really, mm. really. Um, so that's like those <laughs> people. Reading, yeah. People <laughs> exactly. actually say that. Yeah, yeah, and like, some people actually say on Audible as well the same. And I get the, the Audible, point. Yeah. But still, you're consuming the same content, and, and there's a lot of people who would consume uh, who would consume an audiobook much deeper than a person who would read it. So there is no one or the other in this. I think we each consume content and books in a different way. And I think just because someone enjoys audio more than the other doesn't mean that the other is wrong or, or correct. Or whatever. It's just like we're all different in the way we consume data. And at the end of the day, what matters is we consume books. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. I love those last words you said. Those are, honestly, they're inspiring me as somebody who is, again, a shui lazy every once in a while <laughs> and uh, tends to feel like sometimes like I'm, I'm behind when it comes to reading. Because I, I feel like out of everybody over here, I represent the people who are trying to make a comeback into reading because I haven't read for quite a while. We're going to continue this discussion with the founder of Sale Publishing, Iman Bin Sheba, after this short break. So stay tuned. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. The world reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha. And we are back. This is Alia Rehzami with Ashan Mazmi and Ahmed Dawood. We have with us the lovely and amazing Iman Bin Sheba, the you, CEO and founder of Sale Publishing. Uh, Ahmed and I were actually discussing Sale yesterday and we were talking about how it feels more like a home Aww. than a publishing house. I'm and we so really happy that. love that vibe. And we feel like it's just this amazing community yes. where everyone connects and it's just very comforting and comfortable to be Absolutely. around. So what advice would you give people who are into writing but kind of scared to jump into publishing or they want to publish but don't know how or where to go? All right, so it's interesting that about that. Um, a lot of times we get people who are attempting to write but didn't really write. Uh, and like they would come, the problem is like I, I get kind of upset when the first question they ask is, when would I sell my first million copies? I'm like, for real? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> for real, really? This is your yeah. question? Or like, um, how much money am I going to make in the first year? I'm like, this is not how you get into it. Definitely. You got to write because you've got that story that you want to share. You got to write because you've got that edge that you want to just get on the paper. That mm. should be your passion. You don't go into it because, oh, I want to be popular or, oh, I want to make money. Yes, of course, that comes as a side effect. We're not saying that you do not want to have that. Mm -hmm. But you got to write because you love writing. You've got a story you want to share. You've got a plot you want to work on. You've got an opinion that you want to share. Those are the things that matter. The moment you at least get that on board, that you know what is it that you want to get on writing, start writing, don't wait. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a matter of continuously writing and writing and the practice of writing to help you hone that skill and actually keep going on with it. And after you do write, you've got to revise and edit and so on because you will spot a lot of things in your writing and I'm sure you know about that. You've written like two novels so far and like the number of articles that you've written and so on. So you got to edit your work. You got to go through it and see from a critical eye. And most importantly, you got to read from the genre you're trying to write. If you want to mm. write articles, try to read what are the other articles out there to understand the structure of them. If you want to write po uh, poetry, if you want to write novel, whatever it is, try to read from that genre. You can't come in and say, I'm going to reinvent the wheel because you're just wasting so much time trying to figure out something that has already been figured out before you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I've come across that quite a bit. A uh, great deal of poets even here within the book fair, they say they don't read much themselves. And I don't get those. Yeah, I, I don't genuinely don't. Either. I mean, it's something you've got to engage with. It's a long history. And if you're going to, like you said, reinvent 
create something unique and different, you've got to be familiar with conventions, with what happened before you, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you form your own sensibility that way. You look at what works, what doesn't, what affects you, what affects others, and you start forming your own object in the way you want. Okay. What I'm interested in asking you about is the culture of reading and writing here in the United Arab Emirates. As someone who runs a local publishing house, can you talk to me about where it's heading now? Because to be realistic, a lot of people don't read. A lot of people don't write themselves. And I'm talking overall, generally young people themselves. Uh, very rarely do they read, for instance, poetry or fiction. So can you talk to us about the engagement with literature and where it's heading from your perspective? Okay. Um, I'd like to politely disagree. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I love it. Let's do it. All right. Um, I think it all really depends on the circuit. And I think I am advantage and disadvantage in the point yeah. that the circle around me from the youth are readers and writers. Yeah. So when someone tells me their youth don't read and write, I'm like, who's around you? Who's your benchmark? Who are you actually judging on? Because the ones who are around sale, the community like you guys mentioned, are readers, are writers who continuously read and write, who continuously share what they read, who continuously share I what they I was referring write. to society at large, yeah, yeah. Um, not the people within those literary circles. That's why I'm telling you, because like, I'm disadvantaged and advantaged at the same time, because yeah. those are the people I look at. Uh, now, are, are people in general or the youth in general not reading? I think the problem of that is not that they don't read. I think whatever they read is not being captured. Yeah. So, for mm -hmm. instance, you go and yeah. say, oh, they don't read. And, okay, fine. What's, you, what, what's your criteria? What, wh how are you measuring the fact that they're not reading? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it just because you're not seeing them hold a book in public? I mean, like, how many things do you not do in public but you do in the comfort of your home and from your phone? Mm. Um, you've got a lot of people who read continuous articles. Are you saying that that is not reading? Uh, you've got people who read uh, books on their phone or comics or whatever it is. All those are considered forms of reading. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's also another point as well is that just because people are not reading the classics does not mean they're not reading. Some people believe that if you're, for example, if you are, you know, multilingual or bilingual, if you're reading in Arabic, you're not, doesn't count as reading, or if you're reading in English, doesn't count as reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are ones who believe that if you're reading something modern, doesn't count as reading. You know, there's always those, uh, this concept or the stereotype of trashy novels. Even though at the end of the day, it's a book. If it makes you happy, if you're enjoying it, a book is a book. You're yeah. still reading. By the way, that point is very important because a lot of people would complain. No, whatever they're reading is like, like you literally, like I'm going to quote you. So I'm not labeling them. I'm quoting you. <laughs> uh, the trashy books yeah. or like the, the ones who are not exactly the best or the creme de la creme. Right? Yeah. So a lot of people would say that they're not reading because if that's what they're reading, we'd rather they don't read. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's privileged for you to say that. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't come in and say that because... For me, how I look at it is that they start reading that trash now, they will develop their skill, they will develop their taste, eventually they're going to rise up. But you can't expect them to jump into Shakespeare or jump into Chimamanda Ngozi, for instance, mm -hmm. or whoever are the good writers out there nowadays. From, from nothing to that, you can't run a marathon without practicing yeah. over and over. And I think that's how reading is. If it's for them trashy novels, if it's for them articles, if it's for them reading, reading Twitter feed, whatever it is, if it gets you into the reading mood and eventually you build on it, whatever it takes. Exactly, and like I don't believe in the concept of guilty pleasure, where someone would mm -hmm. come to you and be I like, "I love guilty pleasure." I exactly, <laughs> they'd be like, "I like my guilty pleasures, romantic novels, oh, and yeah, I don't definitely. want like I don't want people to know if you enjoy it, and if it's something that makes you happy, yeah. then by all means, yeah. it's not a guilty pleasure; it's just a pleasure." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. again, we are in an Arabic uh, speaking uh, part of the Arabic speaking world, and 
Arabic is the mother tongue here and for a lot of people they can't just start off with like Aristotle and whatever they have to build themselves Absolutely. develop their language especially since like a huge part of what you deal with with is youth so youth would still need to pick and choose and read so many random things in Absolutely. order to understand what they actually like in order for them to get into those deeper books. And even until today, I read a lot of diverse things. So for instance, the, the guilty pleasure concept for me is poetry books and contemporary fiction. Mm. So those are the things I would read between the heavy books to help me again jump on the speed reading wagon mm -hmm. because when it's a heavy book it slows me down i don't yeah. know if everyone who is with me is like it slows me down like a book could take three weeks if not a month sometimes even two months as opposed to poetry book within a day or two mm -hmm. and a fiction can take like a one week so whatever it is to help you balance your speed there's no shame in that you can't just yeah. oh my god i have to just read philosophy books or i have to just read business books like that's mm -hmm. not how it goes exactly. mm -hmm. and preferences exist as well exactly it's because you just you found some passion you found some love towards like those trashy novels i feel like those i forgot what they're called the ones that are just pumped out of like just every two weeks there's a new version there's a new uh, you know sequel there's another yeah, prequel yeah, yeah. and whatnot there's nothing wrong with that you enjoy that you yeah. enjoy that genre whether it's romance uh, science fiction fantasy or if you like fiction and not fiction as well you like the self-help motivational books because i personally I'm not a big fan of them, but I cannot go up and tell people, what are you reading? That does not count as reading. This is something I can learn uh, yeah. from life. Yeah. No, whatever you enjoy, you enjoy it because that's your preference. Absolutely. It's like, I think a lot of people like to judge people just because they like something that they don't personally like. Yeah. And I think we keep forgetting that everyone is different. And yeah. I think we mm. keep forgetting that we need to respect people's differences. And just because it works for you and doesn't work for others doesn't mean it should be the same for you. As long as it's fun yeah. and you're expanding your mind and imagination, it's reading. Don't let anyone tell That's you otherwise. That's matters. <laughs> it is, uh, and like, it, it, it is pretty interesting, I, the way that people are imposing about things, because you mentioned audiobooks as well, and a lot of people don't view that as quote-unquote reading. Mm. And interestingly, you also brought up articles and reading your Twitter, and those are, that's reading as well. Mm. Um, I think people are somewhat critical of what they see, and of course, you could disagree with that. I don't feel that way myself, but they look at certain stuff that comes out as almost junk food um maybe a lot of self-help books for instance they promote this sort of consumerist vision of i just gotta keep buying these books they're gonna lead me nowhere i'm gonna believe something that may not happen uh i'm sort of all over the place here but there's a sense of certain stuff com coming out that degrades the overall culture so to speak is that something you buy into or is it all okay let's do it okay for instance a lot of the self-help books like you were saying yeah um like for instance i know some would love it some would not and i always try to ask people when did you start reading self-help books yeah. because for instance for instance i'll give you an example that um maybe now uh, any maybe now people who would read alchemist for paulo coelho would not appreciate it as people who've read it about 20 years ago right mm -hmm. so i've read it when i was in high school uh so you're talking about maybe 20 years ago um and at that time this kind of genre did not exist so this was a new concept, like, oh my God, what is this? And it just led us to more and more and more of reading into that. But now if you give me that material now, for me, I'm like, no, this is recycled content because I've already read that over yeah. and over in different forms. So it's just about what have you read before? Is this the first time for you into this genre? If it is, go and spoil yourself and do whatever you want. Read as many as possible. Yeah. They drag you on. They become a spiral, whatever it is. You'll get out of it, you'll learn your whatever you need and you'll grab you get it you'll get out of it. But 
you need to get into it because there's a lot of things that will go into your subconscious from there and it will stay with you and you start applying it in your life whether you're not in a way whether consciously or unconsciously yeah and taste is not constant it develops it changes the more things you experience the more um, incidents that occur in your life your taste is obviously going to evolve and change yeah and if it it doesn't evolve then something is wrong Thank you so much, Iman. This has been a very, very Thank fun conversation. So much. Thank you for and joining us. Thanks to all of you guys, like really, I've really enjoyed the conversation with all of you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for so joining much. us for the what is it, the hundredth time? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we're gonna see more of you, whether Thank it's you. a Pulse Studio or here. We'd like show. to have you again. Absolutely. Yes, Thank absolutely. you so much. I'd love to be here again. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. We're gonna be taking a short break, and we're not done. We do have the SIBF agenda coming up next, so stay tuned for that. This is Pulse 95. Book adaptions. Book adaptions. So, of course, we cannot let you go without telling you what is the agenda or what to look forward to today on the 5th of November. And the schedule is incredibly packed today. We spoke about um, the genre of romance and how often we call it trashy or we think that it's not um, real reading. Not real reading. (laughs) However, today, uh, one of the speakers or the guests at Charge International Book Fair, Ravinder Singh, he speaks about how you learn to write about romance. And if you missed it, he has several sessions, one of them called How I Became an Author. This is super important. We spoke about it before, how it's very hard to start writing. We even spoke about it with Iman Ben Sheba earlier. He also talks about technology and so much more. So much more indeed, Aisha. And uh, you, in order to access uh, these online sessions, head over to chargerreads.com. That is chargerreads.com. Dot com and uh, you're going to have access to a number of talks, sessions, workshops, and live interviews with some of the world's uh, greatest uh, or some of the world's most renowned uh, writers, authors, uh, social media figures, uh, business people, and many more. Uh, one of the sessions I'm looking forward to do today is going to be taking place at 9 p.m. It's going to be with the author Ahmed Murad, and uh, it's quite interesting. He's going to be talking about his writing journey. What are his influences? How did he start writing? How did he wind up on the bestseller list? Uh, He's also going to talk about the difference between inspiration and plagiarism. He's going to talk about books that affected him. And he's going to talk about women in literature as well. So it's an all-encompassing talk and it's uh, a glimpse into many of the talks that we're going to be having uh, as part of the Sharjah International Book Fair. Renowned authors coming in, talking about the craft, how they composed their books and how they became as big as they did. So uh, SharjahReads.com is the place to go and many more sessions as well. Uh, We know Prince E is going to be doing something today at 7 p.m about approaching social dilemmas. Prince E is a well-known social media personality known for his self-development uh, content as well. Uh, his videos tend to go viral, so uh, that's gonna be another one at 7 p.m. And living in a technological age, there are also uh, sessions on social media. So we have an interesting session today by Zayi Tarq, and he talks about developing an actionable and achievable social media strat- strategy. So make sure you join us. Yes, guys, if you missed out on any of this, make sure you check out our podcast that will be uploaded later on in the day. And if you want to know more about what to look forward to, again, ShargerReads.com is the place you need to be at. And with that, we bid you farewell and we join you next Saturday, the 7th of November. We're going to be taking you through once more the Sharjah International Book Fair here live in Sharjah Expo Center. 
The World Reads from Sharjah. Live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha.